Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. And we are back. I am Brian. And I'm Inessa. We had a few giggle-free weeks, but it looks like we're back to the giggles uh, following the post-room tone giggles. <laughs> Uh, like oh. the worst skiffle band that you've never heard of. The skiffle, post, the, yeah, the po- yeah. You know what skiffle is? No. Uh the skiffle craze no. in England. This mm. was um, this John Lennon uh, and or Paul McCartney got their first guitar uh, in the wake of the skiffle craze in the uh, England in the 1950s. Skiffle is a brand of a style of music. I'm at this point not actually certain whether you're making this up or not. I couldn't possibly <laughs> make this up. Okay. No, no. Um, no, that was uh, that was a part of my fake bio that I never got to use. It was, uh, you know, uh, Brian Fannin wanted to be an actuary ever since the day that he got his first pocket calculator in the wake of the skiffle craze of the uh, uh, the early nineteen eighties. Uh, no, that's like um, any. I mean, if you watch any bio of the Beatles, they're going to mention the skiffle. 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 Are you sure you're not getting the word wrong? You're not having like a, a mini. Stroke or something. Nope. No stroke. No aphasia. No anaplaxis. No uh, paraplaxis. No fugue. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, while you're talking, I'm going to wiki. While I'm talking, I'm going to say you talk for ten seconds while I Google. Uh, while I wiki skiffle. Brian is currently googling and or wikiing skiffle skiffle is a genre of folk music with influences from blues jazz and american folk music generally performed with a mixture of manufactured and homemade or improvised instruments that could be describing basically anything, anything but, spoons. Um, let's, yeah. <laughs> originating as a form in the united states in the first half of the 20th century i don't know about that it became extremely popular in the uk in the 1950s where it was played by such artists as Lonnie Donegan, The Vipers Skiffle Group, Ken Coiler, Chaz McDevitt, Nigel McTuffnell, uh, <laughs> Dennis McQuaid, <laughs> and uh, the tea-drinking scone munchers. <laughs> I made up a few of those. Yes. Uh, Skiffle was a major part of the early careers of some musicians who later became prominent jazz, pop, blues, folk, and rock. Just say fucking musicians. The Beatles and Rory <laughs> Gallagher amongst them. It's huh. been seen as a critical stepping stone to the second British folk revival, the British blues boom, and the British invasion of American popular music. I will, I'll stop it off. Oh, hey, Cannon's Odd Jug Snoppers. They're, they're regarded as a skiffle group. Huh. So Jugs? I bet, I've never heard that word yeah. before in my life, but I bet that between now and yeah. next week, I hear it somewhere else because. I don't know about that. No. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know about that. Um, Cannon's Jug Snoppers, they did, um, I think, Big Railroad Blues. Hmm. That is the first time that I've ever heard Skiffle linked to early 20th century American folk music. Hmm. Uh, I, I think, well, can Jug Stompers, I'd call that Jug Band. Yeah. Uh, a, a jug Band is definitely uh, a musical genre, uh, influenced uh, Grateful Dead amongst uh, amongst others. I was listening to the Grateful Dead in the car on the way home from picking up our kids today. And as soon as they right. got in the car, they were like, wow. can you put on something else? And the stuff all sounds the same, so I had to make it louder and also <laughs> sing. 
So you're the like, whole way home. Like, like, like you're trying to do some uh, generational reversal yeah. of uh, like, like they are no. shaking their canes yeah. at you. Today to, we're gonna hey, listen man, to the Grateful Dead. And it's too loud. You're too old, yeah. man. So uh, and then yeah. the whole way home, they were like doing things in the back seat that were either meant to annoy me or they were somehow like silently communicating with each other about what a dork I was. But I don't care because I got to listen to Black Throated Wind. Nice one. And nice. Uh, Mississippi Half Step. Right. that made me happy and uh you know whatever it's good for them uh it is good for them yeah. on the way uh to drive them off at that place where we dropped them off uh i listened to i'm, I'm blanking on who it is that, that does the the especially like the disco cover of uh staying alive staying alive is disco sorry, the um <laughs> the disco, the, extra uh, disco. The, the, the sort of hip-hop uh version uh cover of that huh. and I'm, I'm it's pretty awesome it was i i Full disclosure, I know of this song only because it was featured prominently in an episode of Star Trek Discovery. Hmm. Uh, and it's pretty great. And then handed the phone back to our son who pulled up um, uh, some Stevie Wonder hmm. uh, because he likes Stevie, he does like Wonder. Stevie Wonder. And then our daughter uh, treated us all to something from In the Heights, 96,000. Yeah, that's a good song. I guess it is. Um, we're going to get to your recap after you answer this question to me yes. because I've not seen... The film In the Heights, yes. and just listening to the cast recording. Why 96,000? That seems like a weird number for a lotto victory. Did somebody actually win 96,000 bucks or what? I have no idea. You've seen the movie. Though. I have seen the movie. It was a, that was the amount in the movie. There was a lotto huh. winning, and I don't know if it was split. They didn't okay, really weird. go into detail. Like, it was 96. Yeah. I was like, it was, I think it was meant to, it gives them an opportunity to talk about like, uh, you know, that is a, seems like a lot of money, but also sure. is actually not a lot of money. But like 100,000, like, I mean, like, I think it's got the wrong number of syllables. I don't know. I guess that's what I'm getting yeah. at. I mean, how did they, which I totally could have been cool 90, man. yeah. I mean, it could have been a lot of different um, things, but that's what they, that's yeah. what they chose. There's nothing like, um, I mean, I, 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 I get it that like the cadence of lyrics or such, like 96,000 is different than 100,000. Yeah. Although, not by loads, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that Lin-Manuel Miranda can't wait to get more tips. Lin-Manuel, if you're listening. On how to write a good song, something <laughs> memorable. Yeah, it is a good song. If you're listening, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, send, send us an email and uh, let us know how you chose yeah. 96,000. And another 000. thing, Mr. Frodo from the Shire. Yeah. 96 good, enough yeah. to retire. Good, some, good, some good rhyming there, definitely. Yeah. 96, 96, 100. It's the same number. As yeah, those. but it wouldn't sound as good if it was... Something about the yeah, where the accent the is. Cadence, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, fair enough. I, I I thought that like maybe there'd be something. Although that would be like a real big kind of dialogue speed bump if somebody says, "Hey, how much is the lottery? It's ninety six thousand bucks." They have to take four thousand dollars off. The- <laughs> You'd think that it would be one hundred thousand, and th- <laughs> then suddenly it's like like a CPA is <laughs> explaining why it is that it's Baker, actually yeah. ninety six thousand yep. bucks. Um, Although I hit another speed bump because I'm so fixated on why it's not a round number that mm. I, I, I I struggle to get to the crux of of the lyrics, mm. which is a, it, it, and yes, what you say is correct and and and, and wise and useful. But uh, all right, yeah, another thing, Mr. Frodo from the Shire. Yeah, right. it's a good it's a good song. It is a good song. All right, you know it's even better than a good song from Lin Manuel Miranda. Not my recap. A good recap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't better. Okay. My wife, Vanessa. My recap. 
Here we go. Here we go. It's a long it, it, one. It's a, it's a shame that we couldn't have like that look that you gave me <laughs> locked into eye contact when you said, here we go. I, I, if I had a seatbelt, it would be fascinating. Yeah, right okay. Now. Uncanny X-Men issue 191 is called Raiders of the Lost Temple, and it was released in March 1985. We pick up right where we left off in the cocaine-fueled nightmarescape <laughs> of Kulangath's oldie world in New York City. We start with a useful little summary of what happened and also what everyone's costumes look like in the new olden times. We also learn again, or for the very first time, that this whole thing is intended to get back at Spider-Man. Seems like a lot of work, but whatever. We start with a still sassy Spider-Man being tortured, and not just with a lot of tedious these and thighs. We learn that Kulan Goth gets his power from the hot, fresh life essence of innocence. Gross. <laughs> Cut to Celine, who is also being held captive, as well as Stephen Strange. Why? I have no idea. Things get pretty, pretty rapey here, with Kulan Goth asking Celine if his guards have treated her, quote, unkindly. Mm. Then on to some body horror, then her being told that, quote, she is a creature of wanton flesh that exists only to bring him pleasure. I mean, I guess if you're into women with no mouth and octopus arms. Also, gross. <laughs> yeah. More torture as Gulan Goth tries to figure out where his enemies have fled, and finally figures out they must be in the Morlock catacombs where Xavier Caliban's scrying power can't see. Why not? I don't know. Our heroes, what is left of the Avengers and the X-Men, are actually in the New York Public Library, where they meet Erlin, chief archivist of the temple. Is that right? You gave me a look like that was factually incorrect. I didn't give you okay, any look whatsoever. Because cool. I, 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 there's I a lot minor... of shit going on there, and no, it's possible yeah, yeah, yeah. that I, I got I, it I gave, I gave a minor grimace at the uh, the revamped Marvel Unlimited, because I wanted to follow along with the issue while you were... Oh, right. You want you me can, to wait? Like, conti- what? No, 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 no. no. I can you, do a, you, you'd be waiting... A musical number. We're going to come back. Oh, wait a <laughs> no, I can't. Let's... Okay. She... <laughs> okay. So you have promised me a musical number yes. after the recap. No. <laughs> All right. Where they meet Arlen, chief archivist of the temple. Was she a librarian before this? She thinks they did this because Callisto was with them. Before Aurora can explain, Scarlet Witch shows up and imprisons Colossus in, quote, the Crimson Bands of Sidorak, whatever the fuck those are. <laughs> they try to escape, but Vision shows up and there's some fighting. Rogue is made out of crystal, and then she isn't, and now she's maybe dead. Aurora goes berserk, causing a distraction that allows her friends to escape. Warlock, the weird machine alien thing that talks in the third person, feels that Aurora is doomed and rescues her. Rain, Rachne, I have no idea how to pronounce that, the werewolf. Oh, Rain. Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> who is, I think, currently a baddie, also grabs onto Warlock, but then falls off. Warlock feels bad. Captain America, Colossus, Callisto, the archivist, Rachel, Ileana, Amara, and I put Rachel twice because this is so confusing. The professor and Marianne. <laughs> yeah. All of those people that I just say escape. Yeah. Ileana has a go at Amara and makes Amara cry. Aww. Captain America knows that there's something weird going on there, but he can't quite put his finger on it. Oh, yeah. They head for the catacombs. Kulan Goth transforms the prisoners into the things they fear most and restores his own crew. Meanwhile, we have some cool art as Warlock and Aurora hang out together, and Aurora starts to wonder if she's been ensorcelled. Meanwhile, again... (laughs) Meanwhile, again. (laughs) The remains of the X-Men and the Avengers learn from the archivist librarian what the history of Kulangath is. 
There are a lot of words, and I'm pretty sure that none of them matter. Whoa. They decide. Okay. <laughs> they decide to rescue. I mean, I don't. You tell me. Fair they enough. decide to rescue Celine. I'm not sure why. Luckily, everyone has seen Star Wars, so they have no trouble combining the Jedi mind trick and the Wookiee prisoner trick to break in. Yeah. Captain America and Colossus take Rachel and Amara in through the front door that way, while the rest of the team goes in through the catacombs. They're ambushed, and there's a fight. Ileana frees people with her soul sword, and Callisto accidentally kills Sunder. Meanwhile, Cap and his crew try to free Spider-Man, who really looks like he's being crucified now. Mm. They're attacked by Vision and the newly creepy Wasp. More fighting, then Kulan Goth shows up and catches Cap's shield. The girls succumb to Eros. Who the fuck is that? And Vision maybe blows up Colossus. Callisto's band shows up, but are turned into living statues, because why not? Spider-Man breaks free and tells everyone that Kulan Goth's power rests in his amulet and maybe dies. Even at this point, I'm not sure. So who maybe dies? Spider-Man. Oh, he 100% yeah. does. Even at this point, I'm not sure if everyone can really not understand Spider-Man or if Kulan Goth is just taunting him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Warlock and Aurora are inside and Warlock understands Spider-Man. They snatch the amulet. Then Amara snatches the amulet from them because plot twist, Amara was Selene oh, all along. What? Yeah, Amara was Selene all along. What? Now, she has the amulet, which is what she's always wanted. Warlock offers to make Aurora techno-organic. I'm not sure how, but this renders Celine inert and allows Ileana to free Doctor Strange. <sighs> You'd think this would break the spell <laughs> and everything would go back to normal, but I guess they needed to fill one more page. Mm. Doctor Strange works his magics with a K in concert with Ileana, and just like that, they're in Goth's sanctum Sanctorum, and everything has gone timey-wimey. Strange pulled off a temporal spatial claudication... Oh, yeah. And made it so the whole night just didn't happen. Aurora was annoyed because, again, the X-Men helped save civilization and no one knows about it. Cap points out that he knows. Yeah. And finally, we're back on that subway platform. Jaime is listening to a news broadcast about mutants when something shows up and prevents the crime that would have resulted in the snatching of the amulet. The amulet and Jaime are safe, but the creature, Nimrod, which was a common taunt in my middle school days, <laughs> hears on the radio that mutants are a menace to society. Nimrod takes this out of context and decides that he must seek out mutants and destroy them. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Techno-organic is my favorite form of music and or vegetables. <laughs> Techno-organic vegetables. Yeah. We, need, we need a farm yeah, stand. Sure, we yeah. need a, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. need to just go to Harris Teeter and techno -organic, man. buy yeah, some fucking yeah. tomatoes and then set up a booth at the farmer's market exactly. and be like, techno-organic tomatoes, right, right. $8 a pound. We'll have like a, a platinum, like silver, silver-colored flannel shirts. <laughs> They'll make you extra hipster It looks like weird Daft Punk uh, helmets and uh, overalls. <laughs> Techno organic vegetables, yep. and here is a copy of our mix CD. <laughs> uh, the hipsters that, would totally fucking go number. for that. Yeah, uh, hipsters uh, are dumb. Oh okay. yeah, they are super dumb, aren't they? With their tattoos and their beards. <laughs> yeah, uh, beards, beards pretty good though. Yeah, and also, um, hey, hat tip to the hipster. The hipster hat tip. The pork pie hat tip. The pork yeah. pie hat tip to the to the hipsters. Uh, thanks to them, Brussels sprouts are like cool. That is an achievement. You think that's thanks to hipsters? Uh, I think it's largely thanks to hipsters. It huh. ain't it ain't thanks to people who used to make Brussels sprouts like the kind that I had when I was a kid, uh, who would either boil or steam Brussels sprouts because uh, those taste like fucking gross. 
Where did but, I start making Brussels? That was Mark Bittman. Probably, yeah. I think but so. where, why did I get that idea to even buy Brussels sprouts Don't in know. the first place? Don't know. Do you remember we were um, somewhere, we were in Norway, I think. I remember this conversation because I remember every moment of the happiness that I've ever had with you. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I somehow you mentioned Brussels sprouts. And I'm like, that is like, the, Brussels sprouts are the nastiest fucking vegetable ever. Hmm. And because um, uh, I was trying to come up with a German word for them. Hmm. Kleiner böse Kohl or something <laughs> like that. Well, we uh, must little, have evil, had, little evil cabbages. Little evil cabbages. We must have had them somewhere, which would have caused me to go looking for them in, Possibly. The, in the Bittman book. But where would that have been? I don't know. Because I've been making that recipe for Brussels sprouts for a long time. And they wouldn't have come... Hey, we need to get back to sautéing Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Sauté them in, in the bacon yeah. fat. Uh, it wouldn't have been in the farm box. It would have been, would have been thanks to hipsters, because we didn't make Brussels sprouts in Germany. We started making Brussels sprouts when we got back to the States, and the hipsters had reclaimed Brussels sprouts. Hmm. So thank you, hipsters, for Brussels sprouts, which are, I'm going to say, a techno-organic experience. <laughs> techno-organic vegetable. Yeah, f- food, cool. Food experience. <laughs> Uh, what do we think of this issue? All right. So here are my notes. Oh, boy. Yeah. So. You, you re- you, you've come in here with a purpose. I mean, I. Because last um, time I was really unprepared and I okay. didn't like it. And. Uh, now you're prepared. Now I'm prepared. Okay. Yeah. I like having to write the. The, the recap. Um, the recap, even yeah. though it kind of. T- <laughs> it takes me a long time. And That's there cool. are yeah. maybe more like life productive things that I should be doing with that time. I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it helps me to remi- like re-familiarize myself every two weeks with the sure. fact that like I can think things and read things and sort of synthesize them you, into words and put those words down on paper. And and, some of your uh, thoughts do eventually become words. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I still don't like this issue. Uh, yeah, I don't like the last one because uh, it was incomprehensible. Uh, this is comprehensible, but what what you comprehend? Is, yes, uh, that's it. But having to go through it frame by frame to do the mm-hmm. summary did make it a little bit less incomprehensible. Cool. Um, I do have to commend them for how much action they crammed into 26 pages. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have even thought that that was possible. I mean, it did all seem a little disjointed and random. Huh. But okay. it definitely was a lot of things yeah. that, that, like, a very long, detailed story that they that they told. Yeah. Um, my favorite scenes were the ones with Warlock and Aurora. Okay. Because they had really cool art. And I... Mm, mm, <laughs> Brian is indicating to me not to put that, my hand That up. sound that you just heard... <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to sound. Yeah, it's going to sound when weird. When you hear that, it's going to sound yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was me talking with my hand over my mouth, which yes. apparently I do. Brian was indicating... Well, you did this just this one time. To me to I stop, mean, you know, and then I really did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are my favorite scenes. Um, because I think that the warlock art is really cool. And, uh, you know, I find that warlock's weird, like third person Mm -hmm. Bob Dole thing to be kind of charming. Okay. And he refers to himself as self, self, which is kind of adorable. Um, the internet tells me Uh that this issue makes it seem like they had they sort of knew each other well in the past or they were friends or even yes. that warlock and rain they were were, were friends or yep. whatever yep. and uh i guess certainly has never appeared in the x-men no. uh you know i have not read the new mutants um so but the, the internet tells me that it didn't really appear there this was the first time that they were really sort of uh paired up together you tell me if that's true or not i, I wouldn't use the term paired up um depending on what you mean by that 
uh, I don't certainly in the pages of the X Men, Warlock has not appeared outside of this Cool and Goth uh, manifestation. Mm-hmm. In the New Mutants, I have no idea. Uh, what I would love to do is go to the Marvel Unlimited app and do a search on 1985 so that I can see what was going on contemporaneously in the pages of the New Mutants. But I can't fucking do that. Because? Because the search of uh, the Marvel Unlimited iPad app doesn't let you search by publication date anymore. Oh, that's weird. Okay. It is weird, and it is not a good thing. And uh, no one is listening, but if anybody works for Marvel Unlimited, um, there are some elements of the revamp that I'm okay with. Uh, that one is a big step backwards. Mm. Loss of that feature is a bad thing. Hmm. Why would they so, do that? Or just because they're, because they're fucking assholes is why they do that. <laughs> you now, people are fucking assholes. Because, yeah. um, I mean, I, I can theorize, but that's all that I can do. So let's maybe just not do that. Okay. Um, other than to offer this one theory. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do that. Well, so I'm someone who loves to see how the characters change over time. I think that Marvel and a hundred percent Disney wants there to be a kind of a timelessness about the characters Mm -hmm. because this way they can always insert uh, Thor into whatever goddamn thing they will, that they like Mm -hmm. without having to worry about beta Ray bill or any of the other uh, weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So, so that like, like, Oh, Hey, you want to see Thor? Here's 40 years of Thor and whatever. We will present it to you <laughs> without any temporal context whatsoever. Yeah. And like, hey, you like Loki, right? I like I like Chris Claremont. I like Bill Sienkiewicz. Right. I like 1985. <laughs> what else is happening in yeah, 1985? What I if wanna... you just put in 1985 into the search thing? You don't get anything? You get a bunch of bullshit because oh, okay. I did try that. Yeah. All right. So back to what's going on in the New Mutants. Um the the X Men don't really feature in the New Mutants at this time, best of best I can recall, mm-hmm. other than Kitty Pride, who does drop in a few times. Um, we can infer that they know each other because they're all living in the same mansion, right? But whatever, right? But they, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, long story long. <laughs> the internet is right. Uh, the the, the statement from Warlock, or rather Oraro saying, hey, I think that we're comrades, requires the reader to infer a lot about what is not in the pages right. of the X-Men and what is, I think, not, not in, in the, the pages. pages of the right. New Mutants. Right. Yeah. right. Which, this doesn't bother me I mean, no, much. I'm not, yeah. 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 They both know Professor X. <laughs> yeah, so. I kind of, and apparently, like, I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense that Warlock even specifically features that prominently in the new he does. He totally yeah. does. There's, there's a whole this whole thing with him. Oh, okay. Whether yeah. it's happening this time or not, I can't fucking tell because I would. I don't want to have to like cross reference. Uh, <laughs> like I've got a job that would require me to do that kind of data reconciliation. I don't need this when I'm reading comic books. Yeah. yeah. Um. I noted one of the things that I read sort of talks about Chris Chris Claremontisms. The expression quarter was not asked or given. No, they were asked. Yeah, that yeah. was someplace else, right? That's not the first oh, yeah, time yeah, that yeah. that's yeah, been, that, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a classic uh, Claremontism. Yeah. Um, I was proud of myself for like recognizing that as something oh, yeah, yeah, I'd heard yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, one of the other things that 
makes me sad about Marvel Unlimited Uh-oh. is that the, they they do have the letter section, yeah, but they don't have the ads that ran with the comics yeah. at, the, at the time. So apparently in this issue, there was an ad from Power Pack and the Amazing Spider-Man tips on how to prevent sexual abuse. I remember that ad. Yeah. <laughs> Go tell a grown-up. Yeah. Go tell a grown-up if they don't believe you. Keep find telling. Yeah, find another grown-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a really we. I mean, maybe, I don't know if it was um, in a lot of issues or just in the specific one because it was so rapey. <laughs> yeah, you know? that is a weird one. Um, so the ads, each given month, you, um, I'm, I'm going to assume a little bit here, but like I would buy more than one title per month. Right. So, And I'd see the same ads in different titles. Right. Like I'd, I'd read the Fantastic Four, I'd see that same. I remember the Power Pack and Spider-Man ad. Um, correct that it is oddly juxtaposed in this issue. Yeah. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the rapiness of the issue, and, and we should talk about the rapiness yeah. of the issue. Um, the uh, sort of the PSA about sexual abuse. Um, I don't know what's happening with insertion of those sorts of things in popular culture today today right in the 1980s though everybody remembers the different strokes two-parter where gordon jump from wkrp in cincinnati yeah was a pedophile i don't remember that but oh uh, hell i do yeah okay yeah uh there was a two-parter and like, like yeah, tonight on a very special different strokes <laughs> which freak your kids who was he on out. wkrp he's a, a a big guy um uh God damn it, I can't he's the head of the station. All right, okay. Yeah, All right, Gordon no, Trump. I don't remember that. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, Mr. Mr. Carlson. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so he was a um, guest spot on Different Strokes uh, where uh, he, he Arnold escaped the clutches of the pedophile. Uh, Arnold's friend, uh, I can't remember the name of Arnold's friend, but uh, yeah, he owned, a, like, a bicycle shop. Uh, and so the pedophile? Had, yeah, the pedophile, whatever, man. They yeah. Got a, they don't earn money by pedophilia, so <laughs> they gotta they gotta pay the rent. Yeah, uh, they gotta pay the rent on the fucking dungeon that they have in their basement. Yeah, um, yeah I know. Uh, why am I talking about this? But sexual but, abuse, but, preventing but, sexual abuse. But yeah. just like the really jarring way that you'll have something like different strokes. Punky Brewster, I want to say, did some shit mm. like this, but. Um, uh, it's like you've never seen this character before, but like a hey Arnold, let's uh, go uh, fix your ten-speed bike, and yeah. like oh hey, it's Mister So and So, like, and they <laughs> yeah. all know each other. Yeah. And you've never seen because like Gordon Jump is like his agent is is like okay, you're gonna play the pedophile, yeah. and then I've got you a guest spot on the Love Boat <laughs> and Battle of the Network Stars and all this other shit. So just like the jarring way yeah. that those sitcom uh, structural elements. Players like, oh, hey, it's our old friend. Like, okay, I've never seen this guy, but like, right. I get it. It's a sitcom, and um, and then like, he's 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 going to rape a child, abuse, molest, molest a child. And like, this is fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like, like, I'm a kid, and, and I'm like, um, all right, uh, don't 
get my bicycle. The lesson I've learned here. I'm kind of trivializing it, but like, no. like, like, it is just fucking weird. Like, like the message that I got, the thing that that it made me afraid of, it made me afraid of different strokes. <laughs> I, and I'm, 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 I'm oh, again. I sorry. don't want to trivialize <laughs> this this whole thing, but it was because like, you like, never knew when some like weird heavy topic was going to crop up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah because like, like um, even even at age ten or eleven, I'm like, oh boy, what a rough week at school. Time to unwind. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that thing. And it's like, like folks, this is neither the time nor the place. Um, now, all that having said, I, I don't want to trivialize the thing any more than I already have. I hope that it was a net positive yep. for society. I hope that it was. But you see ads like this, and I'm like, all right, oh, the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, fuck, all right. It's like, like uh, uh, if you or a friend of yours has been abused, what is going on <laughs> in this comic book? I'm... <laughs> so yeah. let's try something like this. This one was, you know, and I'm curious what you thought of it as yeah. a child. Like, you know, it was pretty rapey, and maybe that oh, yeah. would have gone over your head a little bit as a kid. Yeah, not really. Um, it was, like, pretty, pretty violent, like, Peter Parker's like really beat the crap out of him. They crucify him. It's like yeah. it feels like a level of like real graphic violence that yeah. is maybe a little bit more than past issues. Uh, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. The uh, the rapiness bothers me more than the crucifixion. <laughs> the rapiness um, did not go over your head when you were a kid. So I don't recall how old I was when I read this because we're right at the stage where sixth grade, once I get to middle school, I stop reading comic books. Mm -hmm. That's about this time. It's possible that I was like 15 when I read this. Oh yeah. Okay. So like there's a weird gap there. So I don't know. I mean, I could, I could look it up and do the math on this, but um, I'm thinking about this. I want to say I read it when I first read it when I was 15. When I was 15, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I, I'm i not comfortable with that page. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I, really intense, yeah. Right. Now, um, uh, I'm trying to think how to, how to phrase this. Um, what am I trying to say here? Because um, what I want to say is I don't want my comic books to be too realistic. That's not really what I mean. Right. What I mean is this, um, th- that I don't want. Th- th- there's something about the stylized violence that, uh, like, I mean, like, if you look, watch a movie like The Guardians of the Galaxy, that is a high body count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the very, first one, and, yeah. and the, the second one actually, I think, crossed a line with me when they're like uh, tossing all the people out of the, out the airlock. I thought that was, I, I was not okay with that. Yeah. There's a sort of a moral emptiness about that. But the first one, it's like like the Nova Corps and like they're just they're all these these planes are getting shot planes. Right, yeah. Being shot Loads down. of people die. Yeah. So it, it, it's super problematic. But the stylized character of the violence is something that I'm okay with. The the so if you were doing a realistic mm-hmm. <laughs> superhero movie. You'd see blood, and there would 100 percent be rapiness. Right. They're, they're, yeah. 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 No. I mean, whenever. They're, they're, yes. There. They're, there just would be. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I, I don't want that. No. And even it, though, even though it is a sort of a nod to something realistic, because right. uh, Colin Gath, I mean, if he's this level of sadist. Right. Of yeah. course. Yeah. He's going to be yeah. raping literally everybody. You know. Yeah. <laughs> everybody right. that's yeah. there is going to get raped. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's, it's sort of 
I mean, I guess for me brings up the, I always think of comics as like something that was, that are written for children. You know, right. You're doing that hand motion that Brian does when he's like, mm. sort of, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it's fair to say that, okay, maybe they're not written for children so that that it, content yeah. is appropriate for older teenagers or even adults if that's yeah. the target audience. But like the ads in these comics definitely speak to them being targeted yeah. for children. Yeah. And this, like, I don't know. I was a little surprised at how gratuitous the the rapiness and the violence in this particular one is. Despite again, I understand that you know if you've got New York City and there are buildings ex- exploding, there are loads of people dying in those oh, yeah. buildings in horrible ways. Yes. But it's very sort of comical and stylized, and so it doesn't yeah. feel you know you know it's a story, and those deaths aren't kind of quote unquote real to you reading right, the story but some right. of this was like oh that's he, that's creepy he looks really wah you know yeah really really beat up <laughs> uh yeah 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 that uh, yeah um you see that in comics where where there are uh there are physical confrontations where yeah like somebody i mean good times we've seen wolverine like uh i mean he, he got the uh, he got the hell knocked out of him yeah. by the brood. Right, right. Uh, you, you see stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the rapiness is really like it doesn't just it's not just one panel. It like he sort of says it and then it sort of he goes on. You know, it's like yeah, like the very yeah. first. Time, so I remember having read this uh, and I can remember him saying like, "Oh, it looks like you were you were mistreated." I'm like okay, well, like who knows what that means? Even though like. We know what it means. Right. But then, like, the dialogue later, you were, like, just wanton flesh. Not leaving any room to misinterpret that. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like it's good for, because, like, you know, she does look very sexy in her sexy, sexy costume. And that does create sort of a yucky, sexy uh, association between things that are kind of arousing and things that are kind of gross and violent. Yeah. For, you know kids that have that that then as an image in their in their brains yeah no i didn't like that um i'm with you i don't i don't like it either yeah uh it's something that would have you know and we'll assume that i read it for the first time at 15 right right. um i don't think that i i don't think it had caused me any lasting harm (laughs) i don't know how i engaged with it um this is not a defense, but but merely an, another example of kind of how problematic this is, or how uncomfortable I am with this in establishing the the villainous character of a villain. Um, do you recall the the, the movie Troy? Uh, uh, yeah. What's his face? Um, yeah. Wolfgang Peterson directed it. I can't remember the name. I'm blanking on the name of the actor. Good actor who I, I can't remember. The, I can't remember any goddamn. Was it Gerard thing Butler? Other than was that the actor? Or is that a, am I thinking of a different movie? Gerard Depardieu? Gerard He's French. Butler. I know he wasn't yeah, Gerard Depardieu. Okay. Gerard Depardieu, who I, I'm pretty sure got, got a little rapey himself. I'm sure he did. He's, I mean, uh, sexually harassed uh, some people. No, but so the, yeah. whoever the, um, you know, King, whatever the fuck, oh, okay. uh, in Troy uh, is, is talking about how he's going to capture some woman and enslave her and rape her. He doesn't use those words. Uh, but I can re- rem- remember re- reading a review about how well, his, how good his performance was. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the scenery chewing villain of blah, blah, blah. It's like the performance is good. Um, it 
is not as campy as you are reading it, <laughs> right? Because because it was played as almost as kind of like over the top, you know, cartoonish villainy, right. like like uh, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh you're gonna be my serving wench, and then at night, uh, blah blah blah, and yeah, it was like, like we did uh, again. I, I I don't know how many people got raped <laughs> during the Trojan War. Probably a lot. Probably yeah. a lot. <laughs> Probably a lot. <laughs> I don't know that we need, if you're going to have that as an element of this narrative, treat it with a little more compassion yeah. and sensitivity and maturity yeah, yeah. than having this performance, which is, I can't fault the acting. Right. This performance, which just has. He's like, oh, this larger-than-life figure. He's a, a villain who just, you know... He just loves raping. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he's channeling, channeling Jack Nicholson from Batman. Yeah. Kind of, that kind of hammy performance. Yeah. And, like, draw the line there, man. Yeah, like, you yeah, can't... Yeah. Rather, here, here, it's like this. You can't have both. You can't have a hammy, over-the-top villainous performance and a diminishment of sexual violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I think, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Finally, finally, I, I figured out what it is that. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, hopefully, we don't have any more issues coming up about about sexual violence. I, I listened to the, the episode from last week, and you know, we we're talking about like a Clockwork Orange and leaving Las Vegas, and. Uh, yeah. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Moving yes, on. please. Let's move on. So, um, apparently. The Kulan Goth character comes from. This is. I did yeah. not come up with this is from the Powell yeah. book mm-hmm. uh the sort of conan right. stories and uh whether whether chris claremont was like having some sort of a you know arnold schwarzenegger uh moment because the the other character are you okay i'm good, I'm good. <laughs> nimrod is also like a terminator type uh huh futuristic police you know uh i want to say avenger not that kind yeah. of avenger like uh terminist or futuristic sort of a cop situation and powell talks about that in his book that whether you know claremont was just had like schwarzenegger on the brain (laughs) well i i hadn't connected those dots i had just assumed because it's a kind of character but um cool and goth would have been invented by robert e howard yeah and there's um you know a bit of distance between howard's conan and uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, put differently, I, I had just assumed that Claremont read uh, a Howard short story. Story, and then yeah, and then it also says here. Let's see. Yeah, which is not to say that that dot connection is 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 inaccurate yeah. or unfair. I think that actually makes a bit of sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know when. I don't know the timeline for when all those movies came out. Terminator, I think, is eighty four. All right. Okay, but then yeah. it also talks about. Something that I haven't read. Um, Nimrod also owes much to Alan Moore's villain, The Fury. Okay. Created for Marvel UK in 1982, which is not something that I'm obviously not familiar with, but I thought maybe you were. No, no. There is a lot of Alan Moore material from the early 80s that I'm just, that I'm just not. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of Alan Moore yeah, I mean, like, also future future evil sort of uh, enforcer isn't like a, you know, maybe not that hard to, not a huge imaginative stretch, although maybe it is. I don't yeah. know. I didn't think yeah. of it. I'm yeah. just sitting here in a closet talking about it. Actually, hang on. So, uh, 
I, I, I just wiki to Colin Gath. Colin Gath was not created by Gravity Howard. Uh, that was from a um, uh, the comic, kind of the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, Ray Windsor Smith, Ray Windsor, Roy Thomas, rather, and uh, Barry Windsor Smith. Hmm. Never mind. Um, I had thought that he was a Robert E. Howard uh, character. There is a, and, and, and my apologies. There is an evil wizard. No, no, I, 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 I completely derailed uh, what you just said. Uh, but there, there was an evil wizard in a Howard short story uh, right. that, that I do remember, and, and, and he's like a like a sadist, like a, a sadistic. Like very, very cool and gaffy. Yeah, I was going to say similar yeah. to this guy. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, we were talking about killer robots from the yeah, future. Yeah, whether the future yeah. robot was, was uh, you know, sort of a Terminator type thing or from the Alan Moore or just something the that, Moore, uh, yeah. something you know, that, that Chris Claremont came up with on his own or some other thing. Yeah, I can't comment on yeah. its resemblance to Alan Moore. Um, there, there is a little bit of, of cross-pollination between Claremont and Moore. I they had to have known each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both very, very I, I don't know. Was there only like 12 people in the entire United Kingdom? So clearly. No, 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 no. no they no, they no, must have. No. They're both British. No, beyond yeah. that. Well, well, Claremont, Claremont is British-ish-ish. Right. Uh, I, I mean, he grew up in, in the United States, but but um, like if you see this interview, well, he doesn't have an accent yeah. uh, of any sort. Hmm. But I mean, he could be like Gillian Anderson. She'll switch from one accent to right, the other. Right, right, right. Uh, because she, she grew up kind of in the UK yeah. and, and, and in the US. Um, the, uh, Alan Moore and Claremont had to have known each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether they hung out much. Uh, I know, I'll just say this. There's the character of Captain Britain Mm -hmm. that Alan Moore, I don't think he created, but he wrote a lot of, uh, Captain Britain stories. That's a character that, that Claremont picks up. Yep. That's a very... Uh, it's some weak tea that I'm yeah. brewing there, but so, <laughs> uh, point being, I, I'm, I'm sure that Claremont was familiar with what Alan Moore was writing yeah. at the time. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. So apparently, and again, this isn't mm-hmm. something because I have not read ahead, so I don't know what happens next, but apparently there, uh, Nimrod kind of keeps showing up yeah. intermittently and uh, there is at least one or maybe multiple issues where he's like, he's more human like yeah and uh it has some sort of friendship with Jaime the 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 gentleman that mm-hmm. he rescued from the thing and uh when i read that for some reason i just imagined this like a uh, threes company style uh, uh-huh. <laughs> like threes company style sitcom where there's like the guy and then like the other guy and then you know, but one of them is really like an evil robot in disguise. <laughs> I don't know. So, so, so like Mr. Roper doesn't know. Yeah, like, uh, it's like, like the, the, like, like, uh, they oh, hey, a- Jack, I brought your calendar uh, back. Thanks for letting me borrow it. And it's like, yeah. like uh, the device I yeah. need for my communications uh, <laughs> uh, 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 array. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mrs. Roper thinks that like, you know, they're gay, but like they need a, like a girl roommate as like a beard. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like there's something there. There 100% is. <laughs> uh, I, I think that you are definitely, definitely onto something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nimrod is one of the more unfortunately named characters. <laughs> did, did people call, was that like a, a Oh, hell yeah. yeah okay. Did that, where did no that come, idea. did that come from the comic or I was it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know the, the full etymology of that word, but, um. As a, as a middle school taunt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I don't know what's going on there. Um, 
I'll just close it up by saying, like, like not Claremont's finest hour in terms of naming <laughs> uh, villains. Nimrod is going to be a kind of a mainstay. Yeah. Uh, uh, very similar to the Sentinels uh, in that right. regard. Right. Yeah. So we're we're stuck with that name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. Uh, and my final thought, my final note that yeah. I have here is that when I we were, I was reading about the. Um, where did it go? Doctor Strange pulled off a temporal spatial oh, yeah. claudication. So I was like, okay, is claudication just some fucking word that like means magical shit that right. I don't know what it, you know, I've never heard. So I Googled it. Okay. And uh, it's another word for leg pain, some sort of like specific leg pain that indicates that you have like some sort of weird arterial you're making, you're making that up. disease. No, look it up. Unless I spelled it wrong. Claudication yeah. is... So it was like, did he just make up a word that happens to be another word? Or was that like a word that his doctor had mentioned to him and it had just stuck in his mind? Maybe he coined the term then medical science Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe. Okay. Yeah, could be a lot of different things. But that's in case you were wondering if claudication yeah. was a made up word, uh, it's not. It means... Or maybe it is and it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it means some sort of hyper-specific leg pain. Weird. Yeah. I love that term. Um, and... I was very happy that you put it in the recap. You couldn't possibly not put it in the recap. Uh, I enjoyed this issue. The sexual violence aside. aside. Yeah. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was loads of fun. The just you know, crazy batshit energy of the first one carries in this one. Yeah. The first issue I like a little bit better. Uh, you know, Setting up the premise is easier than paying it off. Right. Sure. We didn't quite pay it off here. Right. I agree with you that it's a, like like kind of one page too long, like calling it Ilyana like oh, the, the the consequences of this might be even far worse. And let's all settle down. Um, just do your magic finger yeah. snap. <laughs> yeah, and, just wind and, back time. Exactly, timey wimey yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 we can do that. But um, uh, I had a great time with it. Yeah. I, I love any amount of time that I get to spend with. These alternate universe kind of presentations mm. of the characters. Yeah, uh, that's, that's loads of fun for me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't dislike it as much as I disliked the first one. That's and, cool. and you know, maybe if I went back and yeah. reread the first one now, yeah. which I'll say that I'll do, but I probably won't do because yeah, I've got five hours got some, of admin, yeah, and you know, right. I'm the art teacher and everything. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, I might not dislike the first one as much as I thought I did. Okay. Um, when it, when it, when it close up this thought, because um, we're about done, yeah. you know, we're going to knock it off. Um, I'm just going to shoehorn this thought in here, yeah. kind of apropos of nothing. I just want to give a shout out to Deep Space Nine, because uh, the, the, these mirror realities, I, I don't think that the X-Men ever goes back to this. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of a shame. I yeah. think narratively, it'll be a little bit, it would be a little bit tough, but there's no reason why they can't. So Star Trek, you, you know, has the mirror universe. Right. Where you're evil because you have a goatee. (laughs) Bizarro world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's 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 really campy in the first (laughs) one. Evil because you have a goatee. In the original series, Um, I don't think that Next Generation ever did anything with that. Mm -hmm. uh, The Mirror Universe, Deep Space Nine. Though they went to that well a bunch, and it was always awesome Hmm. because they said, "All right, look, a goatee makes you evil." All right, whatever. We're going to take that idea and we're just going to go wild with it. <laughs> uh, and so everybody just gets to absolutely camp it up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always just, just 
fantastic fun, fun. where yeah. they just realize like we're not like there's no moral. <laughs> this right. doesn't this matter. Story, like yeah. by, almost by definition, this doesn't matter. Like to the main continuity. Right. Uh, I mean, they would have some character moments, like 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 Ben Sisko gets to see his dead wife again, right. uh, and there are some something that that do play on the emotional depth of the of the characters that they have there. But it's largely like a, a not a visitor says, "Can you put me in some skin tight leather?" And I'm just gonna walk around like a dominatrix and just like sexually <laughs> harass people, like like in a way that is like legit campy and, and doesn't seem right to, to, as fucking creepy as uh, as some of the um, the other. Walkers over time, but yeah, is that I mean, so, an, an episode that you watched yesterday? Is that why that's on your no, no, mind? no? I, I just because I know that that is the series that that uh, went to the well at least three or four times. Mm, okay, and it always surprised me that Star Trek didn't do more of that, mm-hmm. and that I think is one of the items that I'll offer into evidence as being proof that uh, Deep Space Nine is the best Trek series. Mm. Like they got it. It's like. Um, they could be really funny at times, mm-hmm. like, like the, uh, the, uh, the thing with the tribbles is, is goddamn hilarious, uh, and, and really a great, great fun and homage to the original show. The one that I saw last week, like I was in tears at that oh. one, mm-hmm. uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's a season one episode, penultimate episode for the, uh, for a season where there is, uh, a Cardassian who, uh, pretends to be someone who ran a labor camp, mm-hmm. like just a really sadistic concentration camp-like mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do it justice yeah, with no, the summary, but yeah. but it, uh, dealing with some really, really heavy shit yeah. <laughs> with uh, a, a great deal of... Um, I, don't want, I, I should settle down here. I mean, it's still goddamn Star Trek, but... Um, right, but that takes it seriously. Yeah. Exactly, like the the issue of reconciliation after this like horrific conflict and the um, uh, the amorality of a lot of the participants mm-hmm. and trying to come to grips with that after it is over. Yeah, uh, <laughs> was something that, that that I found very very moving. Moving, yeah, uh, yeah interesting. It's a really good episode. Yeah. So yeah, I enjoy all the Star Trek that we watch together. Although I can't sure. tell each series from the others, I just have never yeah. really sat down to <laughs> think through it all. But I do always yeah. enjoy them. Deep Space Nine has moved me to tears several times. Oh. Actually, um, yeah, right, that's a good show. So that's what we're saying, folks. Yeah, <laughs> go go watch Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, turn this awesome off. Show. Yeah, and go all watch right. Deep Space right. Nine. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa.